was very fortunate in my, in my life uh, to marry into uh, a great family. I'm celebrating 25 years of marriage uh, on Tuesday. So, um, if you know, if you know my, my wife, uh, Shana, I'm married up. She is uh, an amazing woman. But more than that, uh, I really got fortunate in that I married into a great family. Uh, her, her mother and her father are both wonderful, beautiful people. Um, I, you know, uh, Shana has three other sisters, so her dad raised four girls, and, and uh, he was, man, he was just a fascinating guy. I met him uh, towards the end of his second career. His second career, he worked at the University of Texas at Arlington, uh, which is where we lived. He worked in the graduate school, in the admissions department. He worked in the business school, uh, helping uh, in, connect people with careers, Okay. Um, on top of that, his first career was uh, in the U.S. military. He was a paratrooper and the 82nd and 101st Airborne, did three tours of duty in Vietnam, um, and, and was just a fascinating guy. And I met, uh, Shane and I started dating when I was about 23. And, um, and so I, at some point, I'm sure he kind of saw where this thing might be heading, right? I kind of lasted long enough to, 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 I guess he probably thought, well, this guy might be serious. But I think he looked at me and he said, okay, he's serious, he's kind of likable, but he's got zero career uh, possibilities. Uh, at the time, I was you know, a, a guitar player, uh, had, a, uh, had a bachelor's degree, but I really had no career to, to speak of. And uh, he was a tremendous fan of like personality tests and, and assessments to see like what career path you might, might match up with. And he was a great just like reader of business practices and leadership. And listen, I was in my 20s and I was arrogant and I was having nothing of it, right? So listen, uh, before I go on, if you're here and you're in your 20s, you're arrogant. I was, all right? So listen, I'm like, I don't, oh man, like personality tests, Blah, who cares? Like, I don't need those personality tests. Like, career assessments, ah, who cares? Like, I'm, I'm just going to feel it, man. Because <laughs> I knew what was best for me, right? Um, and so he put in my hands, uh, you know, somewhere between 23, I got married at 25, married his daughter. So at some point, he put in my hands this book. Maybe you've read it, maybe you've seen it, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he gave it to me, and because I was in my 20s, I was like, uh, thanks, but I'll just feel it. So I went on practicing guitar, and I went on playing, and I went on cultivating these, these dreams that I had. And everybody could see, right? Everybody could see that I put my time in on the instrument. Everybody could see that I had some talent. Everybody could see that I had chops. I could see it. But I spent years and years and years spinning my wheels, working, uh, and, and I got to be, be real careful about language today. I spent years spinning my wheels, working in a cube farm. There's nothing wrong with working wh whatever vocation you work at. All I'm saying is that for me, there was this conviction in my heart that man, I had invested so much time in this instrument and I had these big dreams and this deeply held belief that I didn't belong in a cube farm. And quite frankly, I was bad at it. I was a lousy cube employee because I daydream all day. But I could not figure out how to close this gap between what I wanted so deeply in life 
and where I was. And I wasn't prepared to listen to things like books about, listen, listen, the subtitle of this book is Powerful Lessons in Personal Change. And I'm like, I got it, Dad. I'll figure it out. Well, uh, got married, and uh, by about the age of 26 and 27, I had sort of had enough of a reality check. I had spun my wheels and worked in dead-end job after dead-end job after dead-end job while holding this dream that I finally was like, I, I can't do this. I can't, if, I figured, if I could figure it out, I would have had it figured out already. But I'm still not playing music for a living. I'm still not playing to people um, that, that matches the level of investment that I put into it. And so I began to wise up to the fact that I didn't know squat about how to make things happen in my life. And I wandered through, you know, my living room and I found this book sitting on the shelf and I cracked it open for the first time. And I was like, there's some good stuff in here. And I started to get a little bit humble because quite frankly, I got my butt kicked. If I could have figured out how to do it, I would have done it already. And, and so I began to sit there and go like, wow, like I need help in my life to get where I want to go. And if you're in your 20s, again, I'm not picking on you. Well, I am picking on you. But that's just because I care about, I care about you so much. And actually, it's not, really, it's not really limited to your 20s. I know so many people who, who just experience that gap between where you're at and what you want out of life. And you want more. And you, and you can get there. But it starts with saying, I can't figure this out. I've tried and tried, but I'm still stuck. So what we wanted to do is, what I wanted to do is, is walk through the idea. It's perfect time to do this. Beginning of the year. Listen, listen. How do you, how do you orient yourself to really get Get out of life what you want, uh, not, not in like a, you know, better, stronger, faster, more money thing, but like really hard stuff, really things that matter. So I'm going to walk through three concepts today. We can't really get all the way into the nitty gritty of like, you know, a, a, a seminar on, on how you do this, but I want to get you guys started and I want to plant some thoughts. And the first thing I want to tell you right now is this, you, yes, you, yes, you. You were created for impact and influence in the world. You were. You were. Because I was. Now, when you see those words, what you might think of is like, oh, impact and influence, that means big job, big uh, title, lots of people working for me, lots of money, whatever. You need to separate yourself from impact, influence, and like affluence. It's not the same. Okay, um, again, I'm just owning it. I was a lousy employee in my early 20s. I could have had impact and influence. You can have impact and influence no matter what your job is. Okay, for me, I wasn't mature enough. Separate the idea of impact and influence from like doing something big and splashy and, and, and oh, I get my name in lights. And, and, and I, wanna, I wanna tell you, uh, like as I was preparing for this day, and, and uh, Jim read this scripture, and this is, this is our story of faith, right? So let me put it this way. 
Um, I think we read the Bible. If you're a person of faith, you might know some of the stories of like, and you think that like, listen, to have impact and influence in a faith perspective or whatever, like I gotta be like somebody in the Bible, right? So without using Jesus, tell me some people that you know, some people in the Bible whose names are there. Just shout them out. Who do you know? Paul? Who? Noah. Moses, Esther, Mary, one more, Abram, Abraham. Okay, great. Good job, everybody. (laughs) But let me show you something, and I don't know if you caught it, but Jim read uh, the scripture, and it is, the context of the scripture is, Um, uh, the nation of Israel has been set free, liberated from bondage in Egypt. And God said, listen, I'm going to give you this land, uh, land of Canaan, flowing milk and honey. They get to the border and then uh, they said, listen, we're going to send out 12 spies to go look at the land. That's the context. I'm going to show you the names of the spies. This is is who they were. Shamua, Shaphat, Caleb, Egal, Hosea, Palti, Gadiel, Gadi, Amiel, Sether, Nabi, and Ghoul. <laughs> How many names do you recognize in that list? Caleb? Hosea's name is changed to Joshua? Listen, we think that to have impact and influence in the world, we got to be like, like the Noahs or the Moses or the, the Esther. And sure, the Bible's full of those stories, but you know how many stories in the Bible have people who just show up one time and never appear again? So in that list, Caleb and Joshua, they they show up again. Every single one of those spies never appears in in the story of faith again. And yet, was their role any less valuable in our story? No. The Bible is full of people who are everyday people who aren't David, who aren't Esther, who aren't Noah. And yet we sit here standing on their shoulders. I can tell you in the New Testament about people like Junia, who Paul just mentions as a helper and and someone who helped him start early churches. I can tell you about Priscilla and Aquila, a husband and wife team. We don't know anything. They didn't write, as far as we know, we didn't, they didn't write any books of the Bible. They didn't write any letters. And yet Paul references it over and over and over again. I could tell you about the two, there's two Hebrew midwives. And their names are, uh, um, I think it's Sapheth and Pua. All right, they show up one time. You know what they did? Nothing much except they saved a Hebrew baby named Moses. And so we think that to have impact and influence, even from a faith perspective, we're like, oh, I got to do something big. I got to be a David. I got to be a Noah. I got to be a Moses. I got to be a Paul. Uh, I got to be an Esther, a Deborah, a Ruth. And the Bible is full, person after person after person, who shows up one time, does one thing, never heard, never heard from again. And yet I would suggest that our faith and our community would be less if they didn't do whatever it is they did. You see... Impact and influence starts where you're at right now. Where you're at right now. As long as you think that, oh, well, I'll have impact and influence when I'm a super person. I'm a super faith person. I'm a super Christian. As long as you think that, 
It's always going to be out there. I love this phrase. I stumbled across it last year or the year before. Uh, listen, uh, I love it. it it's, it's this. There is no spiritual life. There's only your life. There's, there's no spiritual life that's out there waiting for, to happen to you. It's your life right now, and God wants to use it. It's your life right now, and God wants to use it. And as long as you keep thinking, oh, once I become spiritual, then God can use me. Then you'll just watch life pass by. There's no spiritual life. There's only your life. So the first thing, you're designed for impact and influence in the world. The second thing, uh, I, I just wanted to let you know that there's also nothing wrong with pursuing a fulfilling, exciting vocation, job, or life. This was important to me. Because I grew up and I was like, you know what? I, I don't get to dream about playing on big stages. I don't get to dream about, about being a, a professional musician because that happens to other people. I need to shut up, keep my head down, and get a, a job. And over time, I was like, wait a minute. I put time in on this instrument. I, I've given my heart to this. I can do something exciting. I can, uh, like, love my work. Now, get it. Again, another caveat. Listen, it's not about, oh, the, sure, you're a musician, Eric. No, no, no. It doesn't matter what job you have. You get to love your work. You do. You can. It can be exciting and fulfilling. If it's not, well, maybe take some steps to change it. Maybe take some steps to change it. But it's like you think that you, you, you can't fall into the thing of just saying, well, I, I'm stuck here in this desk or whatever until I'm done. That's not the way life works. I shared this story. I have a buddy of mine who I play music with outside of church. And you know what? He drives a bus for Leon County. And I want my kids, I want my kids on his bus because he's a good man. It doesn't matter like if you have a platform job or if you have a behind the scenes job or whatever it is, you get to be, have fulfillment and excitement. And don't fall for the illusion of like, well, that, I don't get to be fulfilled. I just got to put my time in because it's work. I love work. I love it. It's one of the most honorable words I have in my lexicon. When I say, let's go to work, that's good for me. Let's go to work. Uh, so third thing, this is where it gets kind of uh, poignant. To cultivate impact and fulfillment, you need force multipliers, things that enhance your effectiveness in your life. Now, this is where it gets dodgy because I had a gap. I was working at a job I didn't, I didn't like. It felt like it was more. I wanted more out of life but I could not figure out how to close that gap. So I wasn't ready to hear, but good wisdom. So my, basically I was like, I'm gonna practice guitar and I'm gonna cross my fingers really hard that maybe someday I'll get discovered. And some of you guys are in the same place. You want something out of life, but your plan consists of crossing your fingers, gritting your teeth, white knuckling it, and hoping beyond hope that something just falls in your lap. Boom! You need force multipliers. Now, that's a, it's a military concept. 
So force multiplier is essentially like, okay, like you're, you've got some, uh, some soldiers. You've got someone over here who's got some soldiers. You're going to go fight together. And what you need is a force multiplier to give you an advantage. And a force multiplier can be anything from like, you have better technology than they do. You know the terrain better than they do. You have more intelligence about what their plans are. It could be anything. It is something that gives you an edge to accomplish the mission. And what I needed to figure out in my 20s was that I could not figure out how to accomplish the mission of being the musician, the person that God created me to be. I needed a force multiplier. And here's, uh, here's what, to me, force multipliers, some of them are. They are systems, habits, focused, focus, determination, and craft. There's more, but these are the things that impacted my life. Systems and habits are just the things, okay, like if I want to become a musician, I need to like find gigs. They're not going to come to me. I got to make phone calls. I got to send emails. I've got to practice. Focus is like, listen, I struggled with ADD for most of my life. I was only diagnosed like four years ago. So focus was a really big struggle for me in my 20s. I wasn't humble enough to hear it. But I could not focus on how to get where I wanted to go. Determination. Because listen, don't want to be a buzzkill here. You're going to get more setbacks than you are victories. So you better have determination. Grit. Yes, I didn't get that gig. And I did not get more gigs than I got. So you better have determination. And then for me, it was all, it's all about craft. You know? If I really want to aspire to this, then I better be this good. And sometimes, I think some of us, we, we say, I want to aspire to this. I'm not willing to put the craft in, the time to get the craft developed, but I, I really still want that. And sometimes we need to be honest and go, I have not developed my craft enough to achieve. I can, I can achieve this. I haven't put the time in to get this level of craft. You need force multipliers. And, and, and this, this is so, it's such a big deal to me because I had to learn this the hard way. And I sit down with people all the time. You guys, you guys are, a, we are a wonderful community. And we have so many talented people with so many big dreams. But a lot of times I sit down with people and they go, man, I really want this for my life. And I said, well, you need to really, like, listen, I got a book. I got a book, like, you should read. Maybe, maybe check this book out. And they're like, ah, no, nah, no, nah, I'll figure it out. And I'm like, okay, well, check in with them a few months. How's that working out for you? Or they say, yeah, I'll read the book. And I'll say, man, I'll walk through this stuff. Okay, let's, let's figure out some habits and some systems and some ways to help you figure out your time. And then they never do it. And, and it just pains me because I know how gifted they are. And I know how much the world is waiting for them. To, man, just make a contribution. Just, just dig in and do something. Force multiplier. And you can have impact and influence in your life. So what, what I wanted to do uh, as part of today um, is, is really get real with you guys. And I wanted to be accountable. And I wanted the staff to be accountable for some things that, that we're working on in our lives. So to do that, I first want to invite uh, Mike and, and uh, Lori up. Um, you guys know them. So do the thing where you clap and go, woo, woo, it's awesome. So I asked the staff for today, I said, listen, I want you guys to think of one or two goals that you could share 
with Sunday. Something you're comfortable sharing, but something you're going to be willing to sort of be accountable to with the community. Um, we have a lot more staff members than this. Um, so we have some on video, and then I asked Mike and Lori to share uh, some more, a little bit more details, and I'm going to share some of my own. So first, we're going to watch a video, and then we'll talk to them. Goes watch this. No, I think for this year, it's just like being present because it's like you have all these times in your life where people are like, don't miss it because it'll go, it'll go by fast. Like high school, people are like, it's the best time of your life, like enjoy it. And you're like, yeah, right, I'm sick of this. And then once you're out of it, you're like, oh, I missed that, that was fun. For 2019, my goals, I think mostly I wanna be healthier. Um, Kind of physically and I guess mentally, I want to work on certain patterns of how I live my life out. Um, specifically, I want to try to be more kind of better at self-assessing. Um, just to continue learning, um, there's lots in my E3 and that's my main um, help, as you will, um, with Elizabeth and then just in the office, just trying to support you guys and figure out, you know, how I can help everybody who works so hard here, so. Well, basically, as you know, I have retired mm -hmm. and um, enjoy working here. My, my biggest goal personally is to grow my relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, basically, I have a lot more free time. I have a lot more time to devote to reading and prayer. Um, it became very evident to me that I had not been prioritizing my own um, health, like my spiritual health, my emotional health, my physical health. I just hadn't been prioritizing those things, and um, and so. So this, the goal for 2019 is to prioritize my own health. So if you know any of, the, of those folks, you know, don't be afraid to be like, uh, a few months, say, how you, how you doing with that thing? I'd I get a kick out of it anyway. Um, <laughs> so I, I asked uh, Mike and Lori uh, the same question, but then what they're going to do and what I'm going to do is, is I've asked them also to share like some of their force multipliers, like what are the tools that they're going to engage in and with to accomplish, you know, just a couple of goals that they have for their life. So Mike, why don't you start us off? Tell me, tell me one thing you want to accomplish this year. I'm going to get a haircut. <laughs> no, um, I'm not. Um, so, you got some no, applause my, for that. Uh, my goal this year, it's kind of an ongoing bucket that I've actually had for a while and, and I'm trying to just chip away at which is this the continued transition from what I call a results orientation to a process orientation. Um, what I mean by that, it, it sounds really up there, but it, it's actually pretty simple, which is that I, in my current life, measure so much of my success and how I'm doing by the results I'm getting. 
um, especially in work, but in my personal life too, where I, I just tell myself over and over again, the most unhealthy sentence I've ever had is, um, if I could just get blank, mm. everything would be okay, right? I would be happy, I would be fulfilled, I'd be content finally. And so I, I work towards that thing with everything I have. Um, I use anxiety as a fuel, like I have to get there or I won't be happy, which is a very effective fuel and a very unhealthy <laughs> fuel. Um, and then I get the thing and it doesn't solve my problems mm. and I start the cycle over again. So I have to mm. find the next result that I need to chase after. So it's a, it's, a, it's a mental shift of trying to be like, can I live my life day to day, moment to moment, finding meaning and presence and value and just trust that if I do that right, the results are going to work out for themselves, you know? Yeah, I don't think anybody can relate to that, right? Mm. Yeah, no, that's, I'm the only one. No, that's good. So, so how are you going to do it? What are you going to use to, to get there? For me, it's, a, it's, it's ultra practical. It's, it's time management. Um, I have a big habit of waiting until the last second mm. so I can use that anxiety to push myself to complete the task and I'm good at it, so I tell myself it's okay. The entire time I'm being burned out. Um, mm. So what I'm gonna start doing and what I, I've been trying to do is to schedule intentional time that's not tied to an immediate task every mm. week. So I'm gonna set aside an hour, for example, on Tuesdays to read a book on leadership. Do I need something immediately done leadership-wise? No, but I'm gonna grow and then when something does come down the pipeline, when I do have a crisis, I've done the work ahead of time to have grown to be someone who can handle it in a healthier way. And that's true for rest, mm. setting aside intentional time for solitude. That's true for growth groups. That's true for counseling. That's true for everything. Mm. Just can I focus on development more than my to-do list yeah. for half of my day? Yeah, so I mean, you know, known Mike for a long time and I've worked with him on this issue, you know, and and you know, time management is a, I mean, that is, that is it. You know, time is a gift. Time is a gift. And, uh, and if you don't make good use of it day in, day out, I mean, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like a hard truth, but the systems of your life are perfectly set up to produce the results that you're getting. Yeah. So if, if you want to, uh, if, if you are, getting anxiety results and performance-oriented results, your life is producing that. And the, and the tool of, your, of, of time is a huge thing. Yeah, yeah. So. well, and real quick, it's also really funny because I, two months ago, set these things up in my schedule. And every time they come up, I go, well, no, there's something I'm doing right now that's more <laughs> important, so I can't do that. So it's also the habit of saying, I'm not going to believe the tape that says what I'm doing right now can't wait a little yeah. longer. Yep. And I'm going to commit to doing the things that's I know good. are healthy. So. That's good. What about you, Lord? That mine were very, very similar. I, um, I shared earlier that I heard this quote once before, um, but as I was reading a book this week, it came back around and it really connected to the, the ways that I had been praying and the things that I felt God had been sharing with me about my goals for this year. And the quote is actually from Judy Garland, and it says this, always be a first-rate version of yourself instead of a second-rate version of someone else. And I loved that because... Everything, every goal that I have is going to flow from that place of how can I be the best me, the me that God created me to be, that has some very practical processes like you're talking about. I've made some checklists of some things that I'm not going to focus on a big, a big goal. I'm going to focus on the development along the way because that um, I, I feel like I can succeed better at that. And they're just they. I need to celebrate those things. Like for example, one of the examples I use is I need to increase the amount of water that I'm drinking. 
How ridiculous is it that I have access to clean water, right? Steps from my office, literally. Usually it's sitting, my water bottle is sitting on my desk and I don't stop long enough to take a sip. What that also revealed to me is that if I think that I am too busy in my day to stop to take a sip of water, then I don't have enough margin in my day. <laughs> and, so I, I have, and so I have put in some systems in place in my calendar for margin and for the pace of my day that is healthier. And so I, I just, I know that God has created me to do an, a very important work and he has given me the, the, the tools that I need to do it. It is my job to hone those things. It is my job to work on those things. The, so the other tool for me that, that, um, that I thought of that has been wrecking me a little bit this week is a tool that I have actually run from most of my life and that is a mirror. Mm. Um, I... It's a reminder to me that I am chosen and I am loved and I am enough as is. That doesn't mean that I don't have work to do. Clearly I do. Everyone does. But this is this person in this mirror is who God has created me to be and I am okay and I just need to work on being that better version of this person. And so I am using a mirror to remind me of that. So that's you can hold me accountable about that because that is a big challenge for me. Hmm. Awesome. So you're talking about the woman in the mirror. The woman and, in the mirror. I see what you did you're there. You're asking her I'm to not, make that change. I'm, I'm not engaging in this banter with you. I will not say the quote. It's not happening. Nice try. Not even that um, good of a try. All right. No. <laughs> thanks, thanks, guys. I wanted, so, um, so I wanted them to share this because, listen, we're in this with you. We're in this with you. There is no spiritual life for us either. There is only our lives. And we're trying just like you are. And we get it right sometimes and we get it wrong. I'm gonna share two of my goals, okay? Here's my first. To employ the same type of creativity, drive, and focus that I use in work and art in my marriage and in my family. To be really vulnerable here, I used to have my marriage and my family in a second category. So I would work and slave over music and work and slave over leadership and sermons. But somehow I expected my marriage to kind of follow along a different sort of path in terms of how I made it good. And my big aha moment this, this uh, fall was really like, no, it's the same. And if I'm going to put so much effort and focus and desire into art, music, sermons, leadership, trying to make E3 great, I owe it to my wife and my family to do the same. Some of you guys need this goal too, period. Some of you guys are floating around the same thing that I did. And you work 50, 60 hours a week at your job with tremendous creativity and drive and then you expect your family to just happen. So, Here's some systems that I'm employing, some force multipliers. Empathetic listening, um, been learning this year. I'm 50 years old and I still don't know how to really listen to the people I care about the most. Not just, oh, okay, that's cool, but really listening. Crafting a mission, vision, and value statements for my marriage. Shana and I are doing that together. What do we want our marriage to look like? What do we want it to stand for? What's, what's inbounds and out of bounds? Because that's what I do here. I do it with music. So this thing is more important than music. And sorry, guys, my marriage is more important than E3. Amen. So I better do that with my marriage. And then regular intentional time. 
calendar stuff, just like Mike, just like Lori, being intentional. I mean, I craft out time to work on everything else that's important in my life. I got to get better at this. Second goal, to be in the best shape of my life by my birthday in June. Um, I'd lost a lot of pounds a year or two ago, um, kind of let it come back, right? Uh, my, my body is my tool for doing God's work in the world. There is no spiritual life. There's just my life with this body. And I'm not going to just give up. So uh, here's some of my habits and force multipliers. Uh, I know how to eat. It ain't no big like, oh, whoa, that's bad for me. <laughs> so cut out sugar and bread. And I'm sharing this with you guys. Uh, cut out sugar and bread. Renew my running practice. I used to run a lot. Just started again. I'm going to keep it up. Get back to weight training, yoga, things I know that are good for me. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But I can't just cross my fingers and hope that a 32-inch waist just pops into my lap. <laughs> there's no spiritual life. There's just my life and what I do with it. So uh, I want to share with you guys a resource, one more resource, uh, just for doing this that I've stumbled across, and then uh, I'll pray over, uh, pray over us, and we'll get out of here. But we're not done with this, and we're not done with this, that, that scripture. We're not done with the spies. Um, but I stumbled across this uh, resource. If you guys are like, man, that's Seven Habits book. If you're in the 20s. That's so old, because Eric, you're old. I just stumbled across this in December, just was published uh, this uh, last year. Uh, these guys used to work at Google, great up-and-coming company. Maybe you know it. And they wrote this book, Make Time. These are very busy, busy people. And they're like, listen, they just broke this thing down. How do you use your time? How do you use your time? And I love it because they just keep it super simple. They, they create four concepts. Basically, they say, listen, highlight, laser, energize, and reflect. I'm like, that's the way they do it. The highlight, they say, listen, we all have to-do lists. But those are not motivating. So they just say, start this way. What's the one thing you want to get done? What's the highlight of your day? And make sure you get that thing done before you do the hundred other things that you think you need to do. So if the number one thing is spending time with your kids, then you put that down first. All right? Then they say, look, laser focus. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but they're like, listen, multitasking still doesn't work. Still an illusion. If you want to get something done, you've got to laser focus. You got to shut out the distractions. And then they say, listen, energize. You got to eat right. You got to move. You got to sleep. If you want to do something, you can't be worn out, exhausted, and unhealthy because it's just going to be harder to do. And then reflect is just, they say, listen, track it. Try something and write down, oh, this didn't work. And what I really like about this book, you see I have all these markers in it, right? The, the, the actual concept part is very short. They put 80, 80 nuts and bolts, practical, tactical things. Very like, this is exactly how you do this. 80 suggestions. And they're not even like, don't take all 80. They're like, just pick one, pick one or two. But 80 things to say, listen, if you want to see change happen, if you want to see more impact, more influence, more fulfillment, you've got to figure out what your force multiplier is. It's a great book. I'm, don't, I'm not getting any money for this. 
If you want to talk about it, reach out to me. I'd be glad to talk to you about it. So next week, uh, there's a fourth concept that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about today because uh, it's really, it's, it's, it's too massive and it's really been, become too important. But here's what I want you to think about. The fourth concept is going to be related to a folding chair, protein drinks, and Ritz crackers. And the story that ties these things together is a critical part of your ability to grow and change. And this is what they call in the business a teaser. If you want to know what it is that ties this thing together, come back next Sunday and I will tell you. <laughs> but for that, until then, you can just think about that. And here I just want to leave you two questions. Three questions. I want you to leave three questions. The first is, listen, where, where would you like to have impact and influence this year? Where? Your family? Your job? Your neighborhood? School? yourself? Where? Where do you want more impact and influence in your life this year? Second question, what would it look like? And this has a two-fold meaning. First of all, like paint the picture. What would it look like to have more influence at your job? Is it a promotion or is it just you're a better boss? You have a better relationship with your employees or sharing more stuff with you. The other part of it is literally like, okay, what would it look like to get there beyond crossing my fingers and hoping it just pops into my lap? And then the third question, you know what's coming, right? What force multipliers might you need to engage to move towards impact, in fulfillment, and influence in that area? What are they? It's not going to just happen. It's not. It didn't happen for me but you guys are so talented and I know you're full of dreams. I know it. And what would it look like if E3 started to be full of people who were like, I've got dreams and, and I want to cultivate impact and influence and fulfillment in my life. What would E3 look like if, the, if, if we all started to just dig in and grow? Oh, man. I think it would be amazing. But it's not going to just happen. It's not going to just happen. We're going to do our best to, to, to get you guys thinking about things, but then you guys are going to have to take it the rest of the way, and, and that's what we're going to hope for for the rest of, of, of uh, the year. 